For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hey, on today's show, is YouTube finally going to have A-B thumbnail testing? Also, YouTube has lowered the threshold for the partner program. Again, this is a really interesting move. And releasing your own videos in other languages is getting much, much easier thanks to AI. Some really cool updates today, and we're going to jump into all of them. My name is Jerry Potter, host of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a production from Social Media Examiner. We break down the latest in social media news and what it means for marketers like you. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Today, I'm joined by Diana Gladney, a YouTube expert and consultant. Her YouTube channel is designed to help entrepreneurs simplify the video creation process, and she's the host of the Video Simplified podcast. Diana, welcome back to the show. Why, thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be back. So kicking things off, YouTube is always looking for ways to help us connect with other creators or other people that are creating content on YouTube. But this update they're calling Shorts Friends, which struck both of us as a little weird. So explain what this is and your thoughts on it. Yeah, so in a sense, YouTube is trying to find a home between creators that are making short form content, obviously YouTube shorts, and get you to kind of cross promote and maybe interweave audiences using something called the shorts friends. Meaning if you make a short talking about a statistic or something around YouTube and how it could help marketers, then I also could make something and we collaborate on that via shorts. So it's kind of in that aspect. The only problem with that is it's kind of invite-ish only. You kind of have to apply for that through YouTube. And then I'm not really sure if YouTube decides how that works or, or what have you, but it does seem a little awkward because if you're going to connect with somebody, you just tend to connect with them or you're already a follower or watcher of their content. And so you naturally know who's in your niche and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what the angle is for YouTube with this one. Any of these new features are always tricky because they're just out or they're not even out yet. And so it's not like you can test everything. But have you seen anything about how they're deciding? Are they looking for people that's channel has been around long enough or has a certain number of viewers or anything like that? I have not, but I would imagine you would need a sizable audience or at least you're needing some kind of data metrics to make that make sense. Because if you're not getting traction, you're not having community engagement and you're not having that conversational thread that can happen in the comment section in shorts, it kind of doesn't matter because then you could be promoting something that your audience doesn't care about as much or from somebody that they're not as interested in watching. And so when you do an ad promotion of something that's completely unrelated and nothing of interest to the audience and they're like, yeah, I'll skip this part or I'll skip this video. 
Yeah. Okay. So a while back, YouTube gave us an amazing feature, which is where you can reply to your shorts comments with a new short and it appears in the comments and it becomes a new YouTube short on your channel. But now they're giving a different way to reply to comments with a short. So explain to us what this update is and your thoughts on it. Yeah, so this is the ability. So if you made a video and you have people that are leaving comments, I could go into your comment section, click on somebody's reply button of their comment, and I can now open up the shorts feed with a little button that's on the side where you usually like hit send. That now takes me over into the shorts creation application of YouTube, if you will. And I can now reply as if that comment was on my channel or what have you. They're not going to notify you that I've kind of siphoned this comment to make content about, but the other person would kind of know, I guess. But it's really weird because the fact that they're not notifying the person that you're kind of pulling that comment from or anybody. Yeah, it just feels awkward because I don't know you. If I did see that you made a video around, let's say the algorithm did a great job and said, hey, you were interested in another person made a video about it. You're like, that's my comment. I have no idea who this creator is and why they have my comment or what. It just is really weird. And I can't engage with whoever that person is because they don't know I used it. Unlike remix, unlike shorts, unlike any of the anythings where take something from somebody's content, they'll be able to see how many people used it or you get some kind of a notification of something similar to TikTok. But this is kind of weird. My first thought when I saw the headline was, oh, sometimes I'll look at other people's videos and look for mm -hmm. common questions just for mm -hmm. content ideas. And it's like, right. oh, so you can go and answer the questions or make videos about things that aren't being answered well on YouTube. But yeah. this whole thing where they don't tell the commenter and they don't tell the creator of the original video was bizarre. And I was trying to think of like, what was the need for that? Obviously, it gives people a reason to have content ideas. It mm -hmm. makes a little graphic mm -hmm. on the screen because it shows the comment. But it, even in your short, it won't show the commenter's username or name or the original creator, right? Because it's yeah. at least not in the screenshots. Yeah, it's almost like a faux, I'm replying to a comment on my content type thing. And I think YouTube is missing the mark here by not telling the original creator that this video is being made simply for the aspect of community. There are several times where I've made a video on TikTok and somebody will stitch that video and I'll see that they're replying to it or they're going um, and asking a question about it or something. And so now it becomes a little bit of a back and forth. Everybody's notified. And then the audience, because of the algorithm on TikTok, get, you see that boomerang style video come back around and be like, oh, I saw this already. And then you see it's a stitch. And then you see what that person is replying to. It just makes a very interesting relay of, of communication. Yeah. The fact that the original poster won't know is, is just awkward. I wonder if it's because they don't want people to feel like they're stealing content or highlighting that somebody doesn't answer their comments or go from working with in your business and with so many others. At some point, channels get to a point where they just can't possibly right. or necessarily reply to everything. Right. So uh, lots of interesting YouTube updates this week. We are breaking them down for you real quick. If you want to discover a better way to generate quality leads and acquire customers with Facebook and Instagram ads, we've got a marketing mastery workshop. This is going to be happening next week. Facebook and Instagram ads expert Allie Bloyd will share her proven strategies with you. She was amazing at social media marketing this year. And now you can learn some of the stuff that she teaches as well. You'll learn exactly what's working now to maximize your short and long-term ad conversions. And it's a 90 minute training. And by the time you're done, you're going to be empowered to improve your ads ROI and grow your business predictably with Facebook and Instagram ads. So if you want to sign up for this right now, it's a live online training coming up on the 18th of July. And you can go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash marketing mastery, socialmediaexaminer.com slash marketing mastery. So this next YouTube update could be a total game changer for people. And right now they are testing, actually being able to test, A-B test thumbnails on our YouTube videos, but they're calling it something different. So what are they calling this here, Diana? 
This is the all brand new test and compare feature. So, <laughs> right. So I guess they figured A-B testing is too much of a marketer's term. It's too much of an internal jargon. So that with the average creator, if they were just getting started with YouTube and they're having some success, they would know I can test and compare thumbnails. I can do up to three per video. But this is the A-B testing feature that many of us that are using plugins for YouTube to be able to see, is this thumbnail A doing better than thumbnail B? Well, now that feature is natively coming over to YouTube, I could not be more excited because the least amount of clicks that I have to make someplace else or I can quickly get that on like a heads up display on like the dashboard. I'd be glad to see that even make it to the little card underneath the video to see how it's performing until you upload something else. It really is a fascinating topic, this idea of how important are your thumbnails to the success of your video. And obviously, the thing it impacts is if it does come up in search or recommended videos, how likely are they to click on it? And there were some speakers at Social Media Marketing World this year that did sort of some live A-B tests with the audience. And sometimes you just you look at one and you're like, oh, it's got to be that one. And it's yeah. not. It's the yeah. other one. So it would be really cool to kind of have it natively. If somebody has not currently doing this. It's not rolled out to everybody on YouTube yet. And like you said, you can do it with some third party tools. But mm -hmm. what's the quickest and easiest way for somebody to get started with this? Just start doing it with new videos or looking at old videos that you feel like are underperforming? Or what would you recommend there? Yeah. So my pro tip would be for sure to pay attention to two metrics. The first one is like the impressions click through rate. And then you'll just see that become um, on another page like click through rate. So either of those will get kind of give you the data of what you need to at least make a quick decision and then audience retention. And and the reason why you want the pairing of these two is that if you notice that the average view duration, how long somebody is watching is high compared to other videos of yours, but the click through rate is low, that is a signal that you need to make a change to the thumbnail because what that is saying is people that click through, not as many are clicking, but those that do click through actually watch quite a bit of this video. However, we're not getting many clicks. If on the reverse, you're seeing a bunch of people click on the thumbnail, but average view duration is down, then something is off in the content. So that's just a quick heads up of what to pay attention to and if you should swap it within the first one to two hours or within the first day or so. And we've done this on old videos and we've seen a bit of a boost because we have quantifiable data to really have something to go off of. That is a great way to look at it. And YouTube is being vague about the rollout of this mm -hmm. as they sometimes are. <laughs> Officially, they are rolling it out to quote thousands of creators <laughs> in the coming months, which yeah. means anything coming months, right. maybe three years, technically. If right. you want early access to this, though, you can sign up at youtube.com slash creators slash research. I did this because I would love to have this feature early yep. and you can jump in there if you want earlier access. Now, the next really cool tech thing that they are rolling out is AI powered dubbing. And this is essentially a way to add a audio track to your videos in different languages that you don't speak, which is really, really cool to think about. I remember about three years ago, early on in my channel, I got an email and it said, have you ever seen, your, seen yourself speaking Japanese? Mm. And since I was born in Japan, but do not speak Japanese, I was like, no. And I clicked on it and they, somebody had dubbed over my video in Japanese. And so I think it's an incredible way to think about how we can serve and help more people in other languages. So what is this feature and how do you see this working the way that they're talking about it right now? Yeah, I think this will become an extremely powerful tool for marketers and content creators because this 
this is through the company called Allowed. I first saw this, what Mr. Beast was doing on his videos where he would literally create other channels, exact same video, it's just someone else speaking that. Well, now we have AI engineering going to work for us that can have a Spanish speaking voice, Portuguese, or even English. Those are the first three languages that are going to be rolling out. So we're speaking English this entire podcast episode without us having to do anything else could now be translated into two other languages to increase diversity. Now, if you have a Spanish speaking community that is significant enough in your watch history or in your subscribership, not all words are translated well or the even transcripts are they don't understand it quite, whereas it's better if it's in their native language. So some of us are paying for those .srt files for transcripts. Well, now they can go another layer deeper because they're not stuck reading. They can actually hear it. And I think that's extremely powerful. I, I can't wait to see other languages get added to this, more diverse languages, Japanese, Chinese, stuff like that, especially or Tagalog and stuff like that, because those are people that would watch your videos. They just don't always understand the language. It is a really interesting thing. And I'm obsessed with this, where technology is going with this. And I guess mm -hmm. part of it is going to be like right now, as you said, you and I are speaking English as we stream this and our mouths are also speaking English, but eventually it'll basically reconfigure your mouth so that your lip movements will also match the other language, which to me is just like insane, Yeah, but really incredible that they can do that. It makes me wonder if we'll start seeing that also in Hollywood movies and TV mm -hmm. shows and, and different things like that. So I can't think of the gentleman's name, but he played Doc Holliday in Tombstone. And that particular guy, he lost his voice, I believe it was through to cancer, but they were able to use AI as something like in the mindset of Descript and them being able to reproduce your voice, something like that in order for him to be able to speak. So I think the technology is very much so there for creators. And imagine just going to throw it out there. You make a mistake in your video. If I can audibly have that dubbed correctly, <laughs> I would do that even for the English translations, just to kind of fill in for those blanks. Just really see that being super handy. Yeah, a Descript will actually do that. Mm -hmm. You can go in and retype it. And once you create a voice profile and the other thing I've seen in a couple of different apps that's similar to this reconfiguring the way your lips move is where they will repoint your eyeballs at the camera. Have you seen that one? It's, it's so super weird. creepy. It's super <laughs> creepy. But essentially for somebody who doesn't speak all the time and they want to read a script, you can essentially look at your script, let's say on mm -hmm. your screen and you keep your face, your head pointed forward yeah. and it will reorient your eyeballs so they're making eye contact with the camera. And for any yeah. that's creating this content. And so if you're a marketer and you help clients with this and you get frustrated because they're not looking at the camera, eye contact is very powerful and personal and build trust when, if it's not creepy eye contact, which we've all <laughs> seen in our lives too, and, and <laughs> I've probably given before, but right. <laughs> it can be really, really powerful. So it's interesting to see that it is going in this direction. And I would love to be able to have my videos go out in different languages. And you said for Mr. Beast, he created whole new channels. Mm -hmm. So the title and everything was in a different language. The title, the thumbnail tech, the actual voiceover person, it was completely audibly dubbed. He didn't even go as far as transcripts. So if you loved his content, but you didn't always understand if there was that language barrier, you could just subscribe to the Spanish speaking channel, the French channel, whatever. And there you have it. And I thought that was brilliant. But now you can have it on your main channel. And something I do in my comment section, if I see somebody completely replies in a whole other different language, it's showing me those different characters. I go to Google Translate, type in the actual reply so that I can have that back and forth in their native language. So this is just going to take that another layer deeper so they feel integrated in the community without feeling on the outskirts, even live streams. I hope this comes to live streams because again, we can now communicate, whereas before it's like a delay. 
Really, really cool. All right. Um, so there's a feature on YouTube. And if you have a YouTube channel, you see it every time you open YouTube Studio, which is kind of that main dashboard. But YouTube is making some changes to it because of the way that it's making some marketers and creators feel. So talk about what this feature is and then what the change is that's happening, Diana. Yes. So if in this top 10, when you are going into your dashboard, for some creators, this can be depressing if you are really excited about this video and it's like a nine out of 10. You don't have have to look at those metrics. You can choose to collapse that completely and you don't have to worry about that. And I think this is very healthy for marketers and content creators because sometimes you really only need to focus on how well you're connecting with your people, not how well this ranks against your last 10 videos. And for some people, they'd be like, oh, just toughen up, get thick skin. But sometimes life is not always easy and life happens to us all. But the ability to just focus on what really matters and not look at analytics as soon as you log in, I think that is a great way to kind of reprogram how you're emotionally prepare when you're going into analytics and when you're going into the comment section versus I just want to see how the video is doing as a whole or I don't. One of the shifts that I made around being a content creator and a marketer is I just look at everything as an experiment mm. because it sort of detaches yourself from the out. And so even if you work with clients, sometimes it's good to kind of frame that with them, I think as well. But that is one of the ones that I like though, is where it says, hey, this is doing number two out of your last 10 videos. I like seeing that. Or it says number nine. I'm like, oh, well, that didn't hit. And it immediately tells me, would it be worth, not that you can decide right away, but mm -hmm. you know, would it be worth looking at the thumbnail like we talk about or For the sure. title or something like that? So. For sure. Yeah, they've also done a few other updates to analytics. One is what they're calling the audience overlap card. So explain what that is and how we can use that. So we are now introducing a bunch of forms of content on our channel. On one singular channel, you have your podcast, you have your regular videos on demand or VODs, just your regular long form content. You have shorts. They took away stories now, so those are gone. But you have all these different formats. Now it's important to see how much of my audience is engaging with these different forms of content. So your regular YouTube videos or the videos on demand, your shorts, and then both of them combined, you can now see how much is integrating with both. So on mobile application uh, that I saw the update come came through. I think this is great because if you decide you want to do something different with your short strategy, in addition to the other updates that they have made to the short speed and what you see on mobile, you can now see how many people are repeating our videos, how many people are coming back that are new viewers. We can start to have a more complete picture. And I think this is very good and very healthy to see like, yes, I'm getting people that regularly watch my videos, watch the shorts and how many of are doing both. And another update is in YouTube analytics. Now, if you've ever scheduled a premiere of a video or a live, people can go and click the set reminder to be notified when you go live or when the video premieres, just in case they want to come back and watch it later. But now in analytics, they are basically showing you how many people have actually done that. How could you see marketers looking at that data? Is that an important piece to look at, you think? I think it can be, especially when it comes to doing promotionals or with even social media examiner with doing events. We know in certain pieces of content throughout the year, we're going to add in and seed in different promotional content and we want people to come. Or maybe we have an interview with a guest speaker or somebody that is we're really intrigued to talk to. We know it's going to be a value to the audience, whether it's pre-scheduled video or live. We want to make sure we're garnering the interest of the audience and how many maybe click the email link to go set a reminder. So all of those, the complete picture metrics, if you will, I think this adds to it. So you can see we're getting a lot of people to get the reminder set is let's say we 10 exit or even two or five exit. Then it's like, okay, great. We should keep doing this <laughs> for the things we know that matter. 
Yeah. And I was thinking about, we have so many different ways to remind people of things, right? Like we can create our own calendar that people can subscribe to and we can send emails and things like that. And so I'm always thinking about if I'm already telling people how many ways are they going to be reminded? But if you chose to do this and use it because you thought it was important, I mean, two ways I could see it working really well. One, maybe you put set reminder, click set reminder on your thumbnail because that shows right above that button. And so I haven't seen anybody doing that, but I think that could be really effective. And then the other way too is, and I have done this, is if I'm doing a live, I'll send out an email, I'll link to the YouTube live, and then I'll say, click that, and you'll be able to click remind me so you're notified when we go live. So so that's neat that it's a little bit easier to track. And then of course, you can know if the extra effort you're doing, if you're wasting the space on the thumbnail or the extra time in the email, if it's making a difference that way. So the YouTube partner program has been around about as long as YouTube. And this is where you become eligible for different things on your channel or your client's channels, like sharing ad revenue and lots of other things that get unlocked. And they've raised and lowered it for different times over the years. I remember because I was about to qualify at one point and then they raised it. Like I felt like I was Same. a week away. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> that happened to you too? Yeah. Yes. Traumatizing. Right? You're like, oh, come on. All right. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. But they just made what I thought was kind of a surprising announcement, but a good one is they actually lowered the threshold for what you need to access certain features. So more people will be able to access these. And, and just for framing this, it, it's about basically how many subscribers you have, how many views you have in a certain period. So what are these new lower standards, um, Diana, and what is included for channels that either have already reached this or can reach this in the near future? Yeah, so they definitely made some different parameters, if you will, around this. So the first one is the instead of like a thousand subscribers, it now needs to only be 500 subscribers, which a lot of people I think will be very happy about because that's when mm -hmm. you really start to see traction is around the 200, the 300, the 400. Then it's easier to hit the thousand and 2000. Then you need to do three uploads at least in 90 days. That's regular YouTube videos, no active community strikes, 3000 valid public watch hours. So this can't be something that's unlisted where you're you're kind of right. running ads to it or what have you. It needs to be a valid public watch hours. If you're going to do shorts, you need to have 3 million valid public shorts. And this will unlock the ability to do products, super thanks, super stickers, super stickers in English, <laughs> channel memberships, <laughs> and access to the creator support, which I find very helpful because it's way faster than, let's say you just start a podcast channel or a vlog channel or whatever behind the scenes channel. You can't get help as fast if you don't have <laughs> that chat button. So now having yeah. that is a big deal. And that is massive help for anyone who has a client with a decent sized channel oh, yeah. too. And I have only used it a couple of times over the years, but mm -hmm. it's like somebody's always there and right. they can help you with it, which is fantastic. So, and just to be clear, you still have to have the thousand subs and the 4,000 watch hours if you want like the revenue share on Full the access, ads that get yeah. shown on your videos, right? Yeah. And I think that's the, a great way to, to think about it. Like this is the entry level beginner standard. And now if you want the full access into the complete partner program, you still need to hit those original requirements. But I think this is more encouraging because to be very truthful and frank, you can make a whole lot more money on your live shows and people giving super thanks and stuff for content that you've already created way more than sometimes if you're just getting started with YouTube's ad revenue, because that varies. And there's always other extenuating factors that makes the difference there. Super stickers, super chats and stuff like that are way easier to acquire, especially when you're building community, even with a lower subscribership number. Yeah. And other update, I saw this uh, headline. It said YouTube is requiring disclosure of fan accounts. Mm. So 
Talk to us about what fan accounts are and what this means for marketers. Well, if your name's Jerry Potter, like the boy wizard, then you've known all across the world and could be somebody that's <laughs> impersonating you and using your likeness to say, hey, go ahead in the comment section of your videos and live streams. Hit me up on my WhatsApp. You're the brand new winner of brand new iPad mini. And you're like, thanks, Jerry Potter. You're amazing. And then they get scammed. Well, they don't know that it was you because they can use your picture. They can use your name plus a few numbers or whatever. So now if you are creating a fan page that says, I want you all to know I'm not the real person. I'm just a fan of this person. They now have to specify what that is. Like it was just bizarre, absolutely bizarre a few months ago to where every video I watched from people that I followed or even that I wasn't following on YouTube, they had so many spam accounts because I would see replies to my comments on videos saying, you just won the brand new blah, blah, blah. Hit me up on WhatsApp or what have you. It's like, who are you? I know you're not the real person. From the creator of the video, or at least it appeared that way. It looked that way because they would use the exact same thumbnail. They would use the exact same name. Uh, the at now handle may be different. And then you obviously see when you go over there that they don't have stuff. But I've seen accounts go so far as to completely rip the videos and the shorts from that person, like recent videos. So you get tired of scrolling by the time you're trying to prove if this is the right person or not. So now you have to say if this is a fan account or not. And I'm so glad for this because this was so frustrating to constantly be blocking the same weirdos out there that are <laughs> making yeah. these spoof accounts. Yeah. And so then basically you would be able to report it. Hey, this is not a real account. It's yes. not disclosed. And then if it was, are they going to have some sort of badge or are they just requiring that it says parody account or something or? You have to have, I believe to, if I remember correctly, you have to have like fan in there somewhere in the language of it being a fan page. So any music artist, they have to specify if not that artist, like fan page or something like that. So they had very specific details. I think they may loosen it over time, but I think it'll be like a hard crackdown because they need people to stop relating YouTube and scamming together. Yes, that's a great way to look at it. All right, you were just talking about super chat, super thanks, all these ways that marketers and creators can make more on YouTube. And now they are rolling out this new affiliate program where we're gonna be able to tag products in our videos and get credit for them. How does that work exactly? So YouTube's partnered with different retailers, different stores like Target, like Adorama, that's a, a camera store. And so that you know that this is a reliable company that you could make a reliable and true purchase through, you won't be scammed. So YouTube is getting on the forefront, number one, for the income of that. And then they're also offering us the opportunity to include a purchase button for us to get paid through an affiliate with YouTube. We don't have to have necessarily an Adorama affiliate account. We don't necessarily have to have a Target affiliate account. We can get this through YouTube. YouTube, and I recently turned this on my channel. And what you'll see is, let's say we're talking about the Shure SM7B, and I think that's an Audio-Technica, like a 2020 or something like that microphone. We could put that button that says exactly what those two microphones are, and people could click on them, and then the channel is rewarded financially because of that. Wow. So it actually, the button will actually show up on the video? It'll show up on the video. It's a, it's a couple places it'll show. Show up on the video as an interactive item. You can see it down in the Dropbox. You can also see it when you are just on the homepage of YouTube. If somebody's recommending something, I've recently seen it there being added. And also on Shorts, I'm seeing that there as well. So the, every place that an eyeball would fall or you naturally would engage to make purchases, they're doing that. And I think the other social behavior that YouTube is tapping in with this, if you notice the social behavior on Shorts is not to click the description. Most people don't even know how to find it is to go to the pinned comment and then you would link where your affiliate stuff is. Well, now it doesn't matter if they click either of those, because if they really want that product, they want to know that it's going to be legit through reputable source. 
They can just click that product in that shopping page, trust YouTube and not have to worry so much about trusting a link posted somewhere around the content. That's potentially huge. And I even think for agencies or people that do their marketing for other clients, I mean, assuming you have a client that's not already too high maintenance, they're never going to be mad about another revenue stream, right? Uh, for if you sure. can all of a sudden introduce this to them. Without having to deal with requirements of other companies, just need to worry about YouTube at that point. And I think that's a huge factor because now you can get paid twice on the same thing. And you're serving your audience better because they don't have to go hunting for things as much and things like that. So, wow, I didn't realize some of the big names that are, are part of that. That's huge. That's massive. Okay. So a new feature that is being tested right now is search from comments, as YouTube is calling it. And this is basically where they're going to add links to the comments on your videos, which is bizarre. But let me have Diana kind of explain what this is a little bit more. So what YouTube is doing is they'll allow for phrases or single words for topics and products that'll be auto-linked in the comments when you click on it, it'll open. And I think, again, this is YouTube paying attention to more of the user behavior in the audience when they're going to the comment section. So the ability to, again, have this searchable feature, I think is healthy to a point, distracting to another point. It's just right. what perspective you want to take. So I think it can be helpful. And my understanding is that you can turn them off. But yeah, I kind of had that same reaction as you. It's like, I don't want people clicking away from my videos, but the fact that they're going to keep playing while they open this search mm -hmm. and the fact that they may be clicking away to look look for it otherwise and not continue to watch your video. So yeah, interesting for sure. Yeah. And then another thing that is being tested right now is AI generated quizzes that will come up on the mobile app home feed. So fill us in on this. So what this will allow is for you to have quiz. If you remember now, this is maybe dating myself a little bit, but on YouTube, you used to have a bunch of interactive stuff that you could paste all over the screen of your videos. Well, now the ability to have this quiz, if you will, you can start to get some user generated feedback natively through YouTube. I think it's super smart. Mobile is everybody has it in their pocket and it's just easy to do. And so the quiz, as I understand it, is going to be kind of testing what people have watched and whether they've retained it. Is that the kind of quiz that you're seeing with this? To my understanding, yes, but I don't know how much of this data we're right. fully going to get access to. And that's the only thing I wish, I hope, because if we understand our user behaviors, not trying to game the algorithm, but really understand what's connecting, what's not. I'll do something like I have a personal YouTube account. I'll sign in to see based on my watch behavior, what are things that other people are watching? Because what I'm finding is YouTube is trying to interconnect channels and behaviors of other mm -hmm. similar viewers with other viewing patterns. So I think this is another layer of this. And so if you have another YouTube or even Gmail account, watch some stuff that you usually would watch or even things that are in your niche. I do this two ways, one of my own personal interests and then one for the stuff that's in my niche. So I can see if I am somebody that fits my ideal target audience a demographic, what are they asking me? What kinds of stuff am I trying to get them to engage with, whether other things that people watched or are interested in, because YouTube is saying, oh, other people like this kind of video. Other people that watch this grader also watch this one. So I don't know how much of this we're going to get access to, but that's something I kind of do on the back end just to get access to a little bit of that data. So sneaky. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. A reminder to stop struggling with your Facebook and Instagram ads. You don't have to miss out. We're going to have this marketing mastery workshop coming up on July 18th. You can sign up right now at socialmediaexaminer.com com slash marketing mastery social media examiner.com slash marketing mastery and diana where can people find out more about you they can find out more about me at dianagladney.com on youtube or you can go to at dianagladney just on youtube and social <laughs>
<laughs> and then you can go to dianaglenny.com to go to my website for anything that you're looking for. And Diana is good enough at what she does that if you search, she's probably going to come I'm right come up. So <laughs> if you want to add another podcast to your listening lineup, we got two for you to check out. The Social Media Marketing Podcast or the Marketing Agency Show. Brand new podcast just for people working at agencies, marketers working in agencies or owners. And you can find both of those in your favorite podcasting app by doing a quick search. And until next time, may you be wise with your marketing decisions. Thanks, everyone. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.